Hello, and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. I am Joe Devine, and here's Alex Stewart. Hello. Hello. Who did we have on today? We had JJ Bull on. We had JJ Bull, famed football analyst, stroke tactics writer, stroke football writer, who works at The Telegraph, a very uh, historic and celebrated British newspaper. Some people might not know what The Telegraph That's is. That's true. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of the broadsheets. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's one of the ones where if you say you work at The Telegraph, people go, oh. <laughs> Whereas if you say you work at one of the, you know, one of the rubbish ones, people go, uh, uh-huh. you know. Yeah. So JJ is very much in the, oh, category. Uh, JJ also is on the uh, the Totally Football uh, Scottish show, the podcast of Muddy yeah. Knees Media. And um, what else does JJ do? He's doing his coaching badges. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked a lot about that in today's session. He went to Scotland, the home from whence he came, to uh, do his coaching badges for the first three levels. So we talked about the content of the badges, that you don't actually get a real badge <laughs> and uh, that it's, you know, all the different sorts of coaching uh, drills and stuff. And we also talked about uh, Football Manager, which is a game that JJ plays a lot. And Alex, historically, you have played. Have done, yeah. In fact, just outside a moment ago, we were saying goodbye to JJ. And uh, you said that you'd definitely been addicted to the game. <laughs> so, you know. It's one of the less harmful of my previous addictions, though, mm-hmm. so... Sure. You know, that's good. Survived a number of uh, romantic encounters, no doubt. Uh, also, we talked about how JJ got into what he's doing now. How he does it. How he does it. All the way from being an expert at the Apple Store mm. uh, back in the 2000s. Which, which you didn't Didn't mention on the podcast. On the podcast. Uh, mentioning it now. Yeah. Um, but JJ, yeah, he went how from... Many, how many positive reviews was 11. there? 11. No, not, not positive reviews. Uh uh, what do they on LinkedIn? They have this thing oh, where recommendation endorsements. Endorsements. Yeah, yeah. He's been endorsed by eleven of his colleagues at the Apple Store. Wow, he was obviously doing something <laughs> right. That's <laughs> an Apple expert, and he went from there to being a researcher at BT Sport. Also, didn't ask him about that, mm. and then he found himself at the Telegraph. Been there for six years. So we talked to JJ. Am I missing anything out that we spoke about? Uh, I mean, I would. <coughs> think the point of these is to give the listener enough to want to listen to the actual meat of it true i hope we've done that so maybe you should stop there hey listen you should subscribe to the athletic no yeah uh, okay. you can get a seven day free trial and you can also get 50 percent off an annual subscription two pounds 50 per week eight p a day uh with with without with our sign up link url uh, to access some of the best football writing on the internet. Mm. Nay, the best football writing on the internet. I do uh, realise uh, we've uh, just bigged up JJ, who doesn't work for them, but I, they're better, aren't they? It's better, The Athletic. And also there's there's the other stuff. There's the other stuff. If you've got a thing for NASCAR. What's, do they do NASCAR? Mm. They do motorsports. So there's NASCAR's as part it's of mo- that. Yeah, and it's mostly NASCAR. Wait, well, this is true. What, we haven't actually, actually talked about the other sports. It's actually really interesting. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why well, I'm making it I sound like it's not. I didn't know about. I didn't know about NASCAR. I mean, I knew, like, I conceptually understood mm. what it was, but I, I have actually learned. Some... Pull left. Pull left. <laughs> Pull left. NASCAR. Well, they're not. They're not all circular tracks. But they also do basketball. They do hockey, ice hockey. Yeah. NFL. NFL. NBA. NBA. Uh, there are various, boxing. Yeah. MMA. I think they do as well. Yeah. Um, obviously the big the big sell for you guys listening is the football mm. uh, and they have assembled a world class team but of, hey you're uh, just sports fans are they though you love all 
I'm not. No. I don't love all sports. Don't you? No, I love some sports. In fact, no, I don't. I love one sport, and I like some sports. Guess which sport I love? Badminton. No, it's... F- uh, anyway, if you visit theathletic.co.uk forward they, slash... They don't do badminton. TIFO forward slash TIFO. They should. <laughs> you can get a seven-day free trial and 50% off an annual subscription for a uh, subscription-based, ad-free, glistening, beautiful, uh, podcast-included uh, website um, that doesn't do badminton. So there you go. That might or, even be a sell Or indeed people. other racket sports. When you say racket, do you mean... Loud. Yeah. No. No. Do you mean a racket? Yeah, a... tennis. No, no, but I'm saying squash. I'm going for the other meaning of the word racket. Rackets itself. If it's a racket, it would be like you're making a lot of money. It's a racket. Oh, oh, that didn't even occur to me. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. The English language. Fo- anyway. Football is a racket sport. Theathletic.co.uk forward slash TIFO. Uh, do visit that. It helps to support us. Not only will you have access to something which you will undoubtedly enjoy um, and it's worth the money, but also it does help us. So if yeah. you do that, that's that's probably the best way to support TIFO. It's, anyway. kind, it's kind of like a Christmas present for us. Every day. And you don't buy us Christmas presents, so... That is true. Maybe you should consider it. Maybe you should. Anyway, here's JJ Bull. JJ Bowl, welcome to the TFO Football Podcast. Thanks for having me on, even though I sort of half invited myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good, man. I think half the people here half invite themselves. I know that Alex does every week. He's not really wanted. Um, what does JJ stand for, by the way? That's the first uh, question. Joseph James. No one right. ever calls me Joseph. Right. Ever. Yeah, all my official things say Joseph on them, which is confusing. Okay, yeah, yeah, fair enough. But you prefer JJ? Yeah, it's just I don't respond to Joseph. It's weird. What, as in if someone mentions it in the street, you won't turn around? Uh Sort of, yeah. It's, sure. it's really odd. Like, no one calls me Joseph, apart from my friends to annoy me. Were you ever a Joe? Never. Were you I, always JJ? I think, I mean, there's, you know, of nominative determinism. I think if I'd been called Joe, I'd be a very different person, weirdly. I've thought this a lot. He, he says to a Joe. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really is a terrible burden. It really is. You reckon? Uh, you are a, what would you call yourself, a tactics writer, a football analyst, a I, journalist? Uh, I think I would just say a football writer. A football writer. Um, I really like the... I don't like so much to rep- I don't report on it so much as do analysis and I like right. the tactical side of it a lot. Mm. So that's why I would say yeah. Okay. And you've been at the Telegraph now for a long time, right? Yeah, I joined the Telegraph in 2014 for the World right. Cup. Okay. Actually, that's how we got into there, yeah. Right. As as in the same time. role that you're in now in terms of the writing about the same sort of stuff. So you've always been doing football analysis. Well, I was hired originally for them to do uh, there was a thing called Project Bab which you right. may have Come across back in the day. I remember, no. It was like a... Like Phil Bab. <laughs> yeah, it was named after Phil Bab. <laughs> it was like a... It was, it was a little contract I got there for the World Cup, which is meant to be... It's when um, social media got big, but like all the big media places, right. Telegraph, stuff like that, and the Mirror were doing it. We're trying to do a cool like social media stuff for the kids yeah. and keeping up with the younger crowd, getting them right. involved, but doing things that weren't traditional paper stuff because... Uh, as paper sales have declined, there's you know you need to adapt and do things with, with online bits. And uh, Tom Gibbs, who's my editor then, who's still at Telegraph, he hired me and uh, Football Clichés and Darren Richmond, and we came in and did this Project Bab thing, which was like a never-ending scroll website. You could just scroll through your phone with all kind of short hits, things right, like yeah. 
uh, something funny happens. I don't know if uh, like a, a own goal you wouldn't normally have seen. You do right. you do that and you go, you won't believe what happened, didn't they? Slovakian <laughs> Signovision this week, and then a paragraph, and then you finish with a. Right, I right. used to finish with a, with a joke. That was my. Right. That was my. Thing. Do you remember any examples of those jokes? I'd uh, love, love to hear one now. <laughs> well, I mean. Adam Hurry in particular hated when I tried to do jokes, so I sort of tried to kick that out. But we did a lot of, we tried a lot of different things. We did a lot of like video football cartoons, stuff like that, right. and drawings, illustrations. Uh, we wanted a thing which was an audio podcast. Right. So we would chat via like Gchat yeah, in the office yeah. and then turn it into a... I don't know if it worked. Very nice. Okay, Good. cool. Sky Blue. I'd, like to, I'd like to check that out. Yeah. So when did you start doing more closest to the stuff what you're doing now, the analysis? How did that? How did that happen? Yeah, that's the weird thing because I got into it by doing comedy stuff. Yeah, and you become uh, oddly serious. Yeah, I don't know how I if I like it or not. <laughs> the uh, I've just always thought about football in the way that I write about it, and I liked all the stuff behind it. And I think Football Manager is a big reason for it because I right. played so much, and. Uh, Somehow, do you know what it was? It was during the World Cup when Brazil get um, absolutely pumped by Germany, 7 1. And then Tom was that and I. 2014? Yeah. Fucking hell, man. I know. It's it? ages ago, right? Yeah, seriously. So Tom came up with the idea of doing a big, long like dissection of a. Of it, they call it the anatomy of a drubbing, I think you called it. Right. And so I went through different phases of play during the goals to show that why it wasn't just that the defender was out of position for this one goal it was the part in the build up you know it's like a goal is never normally the, the fault of the last person it's someone up right. there being out of shape something like that stripped it apart did all these bits and pieces with arrows and the lines and the colours stuff like that which uh, is basically the the language now I must have stolen it from somewhere there's a guy called Charlie Morgan who writes about Rugby for Telegraph and we borrowed stuff from him and I think the sort of visual language was is the sort of thing the match of the day have done. But now, the way we did it there is certainly borrowed from somewhere, but it's just the language now. That's just right. what people use to yeah. do these tactics pieces. And it was really cool. Mm. did really well. It was a sort of semi-viral thing at the time. And that's when I became a serious writer, I think. Right. Was, it, <laughs> did, 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 was it more that you were excited by how well it did, you enjoyed doing it? Was there an editor there who'd noticed it had done very well and asked you to do more of it? Or? Well... I think we do something that, regardless of what it is, and it does well. You sort of want to chase that sure. dragon a little bit, don't yeah. you? So you <laughs> you do that, and I think it's important to be always doing new things. You can't sit still. As soon as you do that, and then people start doing something similar, you have to do something else after that. But I don't know. It's just fun. I really like analysing stuff like that. It's right. really fun. It comes back to like my degree was in. I've got a master's in film, and it was English as well, but. You know, you're just analysing the bits behind the book, the reasons behind this and that, and that sort of feeds into, I think, loosely, yeah. football analysis. Yeah, I guess so, right? I mean, so how how do you look at it then? How do you? I mean, we, I've had this conversation with Alex, who clearly watches football in a different way to to me. How do you watch football? I know it's quite a broad question, but I think I'd imagine I've not watched the game with you before, but I'd imagine we're quite similar. In a when I watch the game. How do I describe it? I always see, like, <laughs> as someone who is, I think I'm really good at football in my head, but my legs don't do what I want them to. Right. So I've always been, I think, quite good in the pitch at knowing where I should be and, and when and why right. and where the space is. And I've always seen people when I played football growing up who don't, like, they win a game, but like, it's not sustainable. That's not, you can't win like that all the time because you should have been here. Right. And like, I mean, everyone's bunched together on the left. You mm. should someone have to be on the right to stretch it out. And the more you read about it, the more you learn. 
And so I really like seeing, when I watch football, I like seeing what the managers told the players to do and then seeing how individual players affect that. Like a lot of it, you can talk about tactics and break down the system of everything, but the individual players decide how that actually plays out. Mm-hmm. So every game is different and every team is different. You can have the same manager, you can have Mourinho or Guardiola in charge of uh, the same group of players and they'll play differently, but Guardiola will have a different style depending on the club he's at because of the players he's got. Right. So I think that's the kind of thing I enjoy watching with it. So you're always working with shifting definitions, I suppose, in that sense, aren't you? Yeah. So when you... did You you mentioned, did you watch the football last night? I saw the first half of Spurs Leipzig. So you say right. it, isn't it? I keep saying it, Leipzig. <laughs> Leipzig, Leipzig. Leipzig, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So when, you, when you're... I mean, when I'm watching the football, I watch the ball. And uh, sometimes I watch the uh, the crowd. When they cut to the crowd, I look at the people in the crowd. And then uh, when they cut back to the game, I look at the ball again. And I basically don't really notice what's happening unless there's a goal. When you're watching the football, do you look at the ball? Do you look at the the shape of the team? Are you? I mean, does it ever frustrate you that you have to follow the camera? Yeah, right. It does a lot. I really want to see the the whole pitch. I love going to live games. You see right. so much more. Like one of my favorite things when you go to a live game is when you're say say you're doing Man City, right? And you, I remember the first time I saw them play with Pep, and I was just astounded at how everything moves like a like an automated chess game. Like you're watching a computer play it, just everything going like this. It comes a four, then a three, then a two's here, and he's there because of that. But then when there's a break in play, either the camera's got to show you some actions, they show you the boys rolling around injured or something like that, the ambulance coming on the pitch, whatever. But I want to see what Pep's saying to the players off the pitch. That's really interesting. And you can work out what they're trying to do and then how they adjust that afterwards. Mm. That's really interesting. That's interesting. One of the things that we... Well, not include myself in that. I shouldn't really. One of the (laughs) things that Alex mentions about um, tactical analysis of games... And you've, you've brought it up already is working out what the coach has told a team to do based on what the team has, has actually done without yeah. knowing specifically what the coach has asked them to to do. Do you ever uh, find it complicated when you're watching a game you th- and you're not sure whether this is uh, an instruction of a coach or this is a uh, very loud people walking past the door <laughs> or uh, rolling a chair or uh, a lot of, there's a lot of stuff. There's escaping us from drowning from all the war outside. <laughs> yeah, I think. clearly, yeah. Um, how, how do you deal with the conflict of not knowing if the coach has specifically asked for something or if the players uh, are doing something uh, on their own? That's a good question. Uh, hey, thanks. It's one of the reasons I like going to games because you can ask them things right. like that in the press conference afterwards right. or ask the players because you can't, you can't know. You can assume there's only, so many, there's only so many systems, formations you can play and then the players individually will decide what then happens after that and, and where things go. But, and I think you can sort of you can sort of work most things out. I've watched so much football. And over the last like five years, I've live blogged <laughs> like an astonishing amount. Someone told me the right. number the other day and it's like more than anyone in the company like ever. <laughs> and the, uh, when you watch it with like the, the analyst's eye, because you're having to constantly try and get something out of it, yeah. I think you spot loads of little bits and pieces that you can then go, oh, I remember when that was like this. And then reading right. about it's really useful. Like I love reading, I really loved reading, yeah, Johan Cruyff's autobiography. And then reading about, uh, I can't remember the guy's name who wrote the books with Pep in Germany. Yes, uh, Marty uh, Perrineau. Yes, Perrineau. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure I pronounced that correctly, but um, yeah, because it's, it's, it's interesting listening to the way you do stuff. And I don't think it's dissimilar when I do it, but my, for some reason, my my brain is quite visual. So what I'm seeing is patterns. Yeah. And and I don't think necessarily, oh, I remember when 
ex coach did that with ex team. But what I will remember is I've seen that pattern before and I, I recall that it was trying to do this other thing and is this the same or is it different? It's it's kind of almost like seeing what's happening on a football pitch as like a form of graphic design or something. It's, but that's it's the it. way it shifts around. I and agree. That's, when you play football manager, do you look into your, your team shape, the analysis bit to see what shape the players have to see if it's yeah, what you want? And I, and I, like you, I played football manager a lot. Um, in fact, the first I think the first thing I ever got paid to write about with regards to football was for Ian McIntosh and was the football manager series that I did with, with Bristol city, yeah, but great, it's, yeah. it's always been, that's, that's the way I've always watched it. Not like you in terms of I've never, I mean, I was a shit footballer, but I was also a goalkeeper. So I never played football and thought, Oh, if I were, if I were here, I'd be doing that or I should <laughs> be over there. Cause I was just sort of standing around and, but then maybe standing there and watching it, unfold in front of me and seeing where people ought to be from a kind of defensive organization perspective maybe that helped a bit or I don't know but we we get a lot of questions on you know from from listeners or viewers and like how do you learn this stuff and it, it is tricky I think there's a degree to which like you say it's practice and it's just watching lots and and starting to spot those things but I also think you you kind of just have to think about stuff in a different way where you have yeah, to see so. things like Red that. Red Hill a book. Have you read his book? Uh, no, I don't It's not think the so. best book I've ever read. Oh, I think I started it and, <laughs> I, and then I didn't finish it because it was, but yeah. His, his whole book is called How to Watch Football. Yeah. And it, it sort of, he was basically telling, he says things that I think I already thought. So if there's a goal and someone says, well, the defending there was terrible or say, like if someone says this team, oh, they're just, they're terrible in defence. So it's not just that they're, like you can have, like Sheffield United don't have the best players, right? And if you put one of them into Man City, they're going to stand out as not being as technically, like as their first touch probably isn't as good. Just that, as simple as that. Um, but in the system that they play, it works absolutely perfectly because you can sort of do that. I've lost my train of thought what I was saying there. Oh, what was I even saying? I had a really good point. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it is very systems oriented. Yeah. And... And I think it's, again, this is one of the things that is interesting. You mentioned it briefly before. and I I don't go to live games very often at all. When I do, they tend to be non-league. Um, Me either. I have to go my days off. Yeah. To do it, yeah. Um, but I, I really struggle with the sense of the, and even in terms of writing it, actually, and this is probably because I was an English student as well and did too much critical theory, but the idea of saying, well, the coach wanted this to happen. Mm -hmm. And I find that really hard just from a kind of perspective of being, well, I wasn't there. Yeah. I don't know that that's what they wanted to happen. But sometimes if you watch a team play four or five games and, you know, I'll, I'll use Y Scout, for example, to, to do this. And you'll see, you'll see repetitive patterns in, say, defensive shape or pressing or something. And then there's one game where it doesn't work. And again, I look at that and think, well, is, were they just having an off day or were they not concentrating? Was the opposition really good? Or did they ask, did the coach ask for something different that for some reason that meant it all fell apart? And I, I really struggle with kind of imputing intention onto that mm -hmm. because I, I don't think you can, unless you're at a live game and you're seeing the coach going, fucking stand over there I get and it, not doing it that's helpful I think but. it really has helped uh, looking at how these things work supporting a really shit team 
when I was younger. So like, so I support Aberdeen. Uh, they used to get done every single time by like like Celtic Rangers would beat them five six seven nil, easily, and then they would end up winning one nil or drawing nil nil. They're really low scoring games against the rest of the the division, and you wonder like whether Celtic Rangers are doing something that is amazing tactically or it's just that the players are better. But then what makes the players better? Is it that they are faster, stronger, fitter? Or is it they've got a better first touch? Is it they're better organised? Is it a mixture of things? How come some coaches can make ordinary players look much better? How come some don't? And then I started to think recently that assistant manager is actually really way more important than anyone maybe is let on. You look at Josie Mourinho's not been quite the same since his assistant left. Jurgen Klotz managed to get Pep Linders in, who is phenomenally talented. Everyone you read about talks about him, has like, speaks so highly of him. And uh, that must be a, a real thing as well. Then I look at, like, at Aberdeen just now. So Derek McInnes is the manager at uh, Aberdeen, and he's been there since uh, 12, 13, 13, 14, I think. And he won the Cup in his first season there in 13, 14. Was it his first season? I can't remember. Anyway, he won the League Cup. His first, Aberdeen's first bit is uh, silverware and about 20 years, something like that, 30 years. And this is off the back of Aberdeen being amazing in the 80s under Alex Ferguson. But McInnes turned a team who was always finishing 6th, 7th, 8th into a team always pushing Celtic for 2nd when Rangers were at the, at the division. And they kept them there, sitting out at 2nd, really pushing them, and then 3rd, 2nd, and they finished 4th last year. And I don't think he's like some tactical wizard or anything like that. I think he's just a great man-manager who gets more out of individual people. And that's never part of management, which is hard to analyse, is how good they are as man-managers, because you don't know what goes on behind the scenes. You don't know if a player's been dropped because he doesn't fit the, the tactics or because he was out on lash the night before. You don't know if his girlfriend's left him and he's feeling down, something like that. And then this can all have an effect on the pitch somehow, even though they shouldn't really affect them when they're in the middle of a game. Mm. But it's this, this is the thing with and, and football, this kind of football journalism, I think, you know, sort of started around the time that you were doing that stuff. And I, I was working at the Rugby World Cup, Willie, where we're actually, we, in 2015, where we were informed by the way Charlie Morgan was doing stuff there as well, which yeah, is interesting. Yeah, so good, Charlie. Um, but it was also when Michael Cox was doing yes. the zonal marking blog and inverting the pyramid had been out for a little bit. But it's interesting that that, that style of journalism, that very analytical and then, Obviously, you get stats stuff coming off the back of that two, three years later. Is incredibly popular and can be very good, but is also a really imperfect way of understanding what's happening. Because, like you say, there are a huge lacuna in what you're actually able to talk about. You you can't say, well, you know, this system you know, this is a 4-4-2 and it should work this way, but because this guy was on the lash last night or because he's split up with his missus or whatever, that that's why that broke down. And it, like, <laughs> that's all this stuff that just doesn't ever make it into that. But there is a, and I, you know, I think we're, I'm guilty of it to a degree. I'm sure everyone is of kind of going, you know, the, this is sort of how it is, but it's, it's way more complicated than that. Yeah. And there's no way of getting to that degree of complication accurately. Yeah. I, I I agree. It's um, so it's very easy to do badly as well, I think. And uh, how can you do it badly? Getting it wrong, you mean? <laughs> I don't know because then that's the thing. You have to. I always assume that I might be wrong, like basically in life. <laughs> but it applies to my writing. So it's not that I like to cover myself, but I like to. If someone says, "Oh, write," can you write um, 
what makes Kevin De Bruyne so amazing. I was like, well, it's kind of like how do you how do you qu- like qualify that? How do you quantify right. it? What do you what do you write down? Depends on this, like what his role is. Sometimes you're not being involved in the play, but just his very being there mm. is enough to make the game change. Mm. I always think that there's a lot of players who don't get the respect that they should have done because they do things off the ball. They never win man of the match ever, but yet they do so much off the ball that makes them hugely different. Like Jordan Henderson, right, is, is a weird one. I'm really like I love being surprised by by players. Uh, the football manager, the guys there, told me that they couldn't believe how Jamie Vardy came out of nowhere. Like, so they've been trying to to work out how they evaluate their scouting to not miss that again. But like Jordan Henderson at Liverpool, I think English players aren't as good under pressure situations with their technique as players on the the continent that Britain has now left. The uh, <laughs> the like, like you know, in the semi final of the World Cup, you had Modric, who I think you could. That he could be standing in like a tiny square and you could throw him balls at any speed and he'd be able to mm. control them dead every single time, even if it meant that if he didn't control one of them, they'd have to remove his leg. That yeah. was that's the penalty. <laughs> Whereas I think Henderson uh, would be absolutely fine at most of them, but then just occasionally one dribbles away, one goes away, or he sure. doesn't quite get his technique right. Yet and he's not the best player at the Liverpool team by any, by any mile, but he's amazing for them. He's so important because the things he brings to the team that are his leadership qualities there. You read that book, The Captain Class? Yes. It's great. I think Henderson's maybe falls into that as a water carrier mm. who um, doesn't need the fame but does everything, covers for others, that sort of bit. And I like being able to analyse games to spot these kind of unsung right. heroes that go under the radar. Like I thought it's Cam- difficult to quantify what, what Henderson does, right? If it's not, as you say, if you take your normal approach, which is to analyse the game, take yeah. a look at uh, who's been involved in the play, even if it's a player, as you say, who isn't directly involved in the play, but their presence is, is affecting the opposition team. There are still numerous attributes and qualities that someone can bring to a game of football that aren't easily quantifiable by the metrics that are in common use, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's also because... Because football is an events-based game in which the key event happens relatively infrequently. So it becomes naturally something that one focuses on is the goal, the pass before the goal, the pass before the pass before the goal. And it can become very easy to miss that that only pass occurred, that pass only occurred because such and such a person had made this run. And and there's, we've talked about this before in terms of scouting, you know, how, how difficult it is to purely assess people on the basis of numbers because there are key events like a run that allows, you know, a defender to be pulled a certain way that creates space for somebody else. That's never quantified. You, you can't record it in that way. So you can't, you'll miss out on an awful lot. Um, but I think it's, you know, it is that, that kind of imperfection of, yeah, when we do tactical videos, I, I would always look at it and say, well, if I'm trying to explain how a team functions, it's on the basis that if you watch this team 10 times, there would be certain things that you would see relatively regularly uh, to the extent that you could say that's probably a thing that they're trying to do. Mm. But I don't think you can do it. In you, you can't necessarily be more complicated than that unless you were to write an entire book analysing every single game that that team had played in every, you know, across the course of a season. Mm. Because everything is different all of the time for all of the reasons that we've talked about. That's one of the things that I find difficult when I'm writing 
analysis pieces, which should be, I think, about 800 words to be readable. But I run easily into 1600 every single time to try and cut it down. Because you can't just say one thing. It could be this and that and this. There's so many variables that you need to include to make sure that not just because people on Twitter will then like slag you off because you've said something that obviously needs to be qualified with something else beside it. But it's a... Yeah, all of it together as one. You don't know what the manager's thinking. The player might have gone against the the role of the manager to get the goal, which is really good. And you're analysing, like, look how good this is. They've organised this in training. But they haven't. It's a random bit of chaos that that player has created to score the goal. But then also maybe the manager is trying to create a system that allows the freedom of them to choose when to do those sorts of things. Mm. And I also think this is a point that Steve Morrison made on the podcast when he came on, was the fan's perspective of what ought to be done in a game does not necessarily tally with the instructions that have been given. So somebody might be watching your analysis of a thing and going, you know, well, he should have done that because that's what I think. And therefore I'm going to criticize what you've done because you've explained it accurately, but it's not, it's not how it should have been. Yeah. Um, because they don't necessarily the, understand that. Do you remember when the Man City won that? Aguero! This QPR. One of the <laughs> last subs that I think uh, Mancini made was putting Nigel de Jong on putting a, def- like a holding midfield player on it changed the game it gave them a way to get into the to get back into it I love that <laughs> <laughs> I, I like those sorts of players as well but then they don't because this is the other thing is that you can't you know if you're anybody who's involved in any kind of media stuff is ultimately doing it so people will ro- watch it or read it yeah and there are only so many articles you can write about a you know a Nigel de Jong or a Didier Deschamps or a Jordan Henderson because people will be like yeah but this again it's it's because football is inherently events based and you you can't you can't write for yourself and you can't write for that very small nerdy community that sees football in that particular way you have to write for a broad audience Mm -hmm. who are ultimately most interested in how did these goals happen either from a defensive mistake perspective or a you know moment of brilliance of team construction or what have you because it is a media thing. It's not, you know, mm. we're not doing it for a club, which is yeah. again, an odyssey. Can I ask, when you do get to work a game and you get to ask the coach or the manager a question afterwards, <clears throat> if you ask them something which is more analytical or more about the, the tactics of the game itself, do you find that it is more warmly received than some of the other sort of more headline sort of seeking questions or, or, or is it something that the coaches and the managers aren't that keen to talk about for obvious reasons? I mean, to be honest, I've only really asked a Steve Bruce one question right. and I didn't phrase it the way I should have done <laughs> uh, because... What happened? Well, it was after Newcastle had beaten Spurs at uh, the new stadium, right. which is amazing, by the way. And... Uh, so, like, like Joelton's a good example of this that we're just talking about. Everyone's saying, oh, he doesn't score enough goals. Rubbish striker. What's that? But I don't think, I mean, he has to score. For, you need to score goals for them to, to succeed. But yeah. the, his function in that system means he doesn't actually really need to because that's not his purpose. His purpose is to hold the ball up and do other things off the ball that he does. We had this chat about Emil Heskey. <laughs> yeah. It, make, it makes sense to me, right? right. Some of these players, they'll have really poor goal-scoring results, but you put another striker in there, and sure enough, they might end up getting the end of more crosses, mm. but they won't do as much 
for other phases of play, which they're needed for. Anyway, I asked Steve Bruce, so in this game, I thought he, I thought Juliet Wellington was amazing. He, they, they couldn't get the ball off him. He shielded everything, kept pushing up, laying it off, and then looking for the return or dropping it into space to allow someone else to go in. And uh, this is after people have been slagging him off already, having not really done enough. I think I said, um, what did you make of Dwellington's role in the either the system or the game today? And uh, he just went, yeah, you know, he's a good left foot, good right foot. Yeah, <laughs> moves well. It's just like a normal reporter sort right. of question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know because... <clears throat> Did I you st- want to stop and go, no, sorry, I'm, I'm a real person, Steve. <laughs> but I, I don't do feel like a real person in these things. So yeah. I go and you've got all like, sure. the famous reporters there yeah. and all like, like colleagues and, and things like that. And you're a fraud. Exactly, sure, yeah. exactly. Imposter syndrome all over the place. And you mm. and then you want to... You, you don't go want home to, and you're a fraud. <laughs> go visit your family and you're a fraud. Yeah. yeah. That's more or less it, yeah. Was Steve Bruce nice though? Did he look yes, you in the eyes? He did. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? How did you feel when he looked you in the eyes? Warm. Yeah. yeah I love that guy. <laughs> I, I sort of, you know, I want him to be my uncle or something, Steve. Yeah. I feel like he would sometimes disappoint you, and you might sort of look at his life as, as, as. Yeah, he's a bit of a failure sometimes, but he's a sweet guy. Do you know what I'm saying? He, he gives off that that vibe, that impression to me. Yeah. I think yeah. he's lovely. Yeah, just I met, drop that one I met in the Bob room Wilson, uh, and he, like, I, I want Bob Wilson, the old Arsenal goalkeeper. Oh, I don't know who that is. Do you know who that is? I do know. Okay, who that fine. Is. One of us knows who that is. Yeah, go he's on. Saying, he's like the nicest man in the entire universe. If he was my granddad, it would just be great. Who is your granddad? Uh, he is a deceased man. Who oh. well, all of them are dead, actually. Oh, all two. All of them are dead. <laughs> So many granddads can't keep up. Yeah. Was he nice? But they, both of them? They were, they were both lovely as yeah. far as I know. I didn't really talk to them much. Oh, yeah. that's, a, that's a shame. 1,000 apologies for interrupting your listening experience today. But I'm here to tell you that if you sign up to The Athletic, you'll have access to things that are relevant to what we're currently discussing, such as... That's when you say oh, what it is, oh, okay. Alex. Goodness um, gracious me. So uh, George, George Colkin um, has published a piece yesterday given when we're recording this, um, an interview with Salomon Rondon. Ding dong. Who is a very good striker. Who's at the very, door? Very, very good striker. It's Salomon Rondon. What? Uh, just because I said ding dong, I thought I'd follow it through, but yeah. Could have said bingo, could have said hot daddy, could have said, <laughs> could have said any number of things to express I'm how so excited I am. I'm so glad you didn't say hot daddy that. I do until like you Salomon said Rondon. hot daddy. Mm. Um, What's he said? Uh, he, it, it's just a nice kind of backgroundy piece on how much Rondon loved being at Newcastle. Yeah, he talks and about how much he misses St James's Park, right? That kind of stuff. And yeah. will Jolinton ever feel that way? Who knows? Maybe. No. You don't know. Uh, but anyway, Maybe. other such fantastic... I mean, that's a pretty good scoop, isn't it? That's a nice interview. It's just nice. And George Colkin's just a really good writer. Oh, so good. So good. One of the greats. <laughs> he is. <laughs> you just... I have a problem with sounding authentic or the, what I'm saying I mean. But I do mean that. Okay. He's very good. Uh, there's lots of coverage of Newcastle. Uh, I mean, an awful lot. And uh, there's lots of coverage of all your <coughs> Premier League teams, a handful of championship teams as well. I believe Leeds have their own coverage. Mm. Um, and you can access all of this and indeed numerous other sports by visiting theathletic.co.uk forward slash TIFO where you will have entry to a seven-day free trial. See if you like it. Try before you buy. If you do buy, 50% off an annual subscription. That works out to be £2.50 a week, 8p a day for what is uh, undoubtedly the best football writing online, I would say, on, on the whole. 
uh, with um, a world-class team of writers. And the app is beautiful, and it's ad-free, and I find the accessibility of that app uh, greatly pleasing. Do you know what sickens me? It's sort of scrolling through stuff uh, and uh, not, you know, where the article is kind of broken up into a million segments because of the publication's need to insert ads like this one. And, uh, you know, it's quite, it's quite frustrating, isn't it? There's, there's, there is one particular <coughs> website that I won't name. We won't mention them. But, but I literally cannot read anything sure. on that website. Also, accessibility is very confusing. The, 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 the usability of the app is so good. I mean, if you are a Newcastle fan, you go on there, you can either flick through everything or you can go to the Newcastle stream or you can go to the writers who regularly write about Newcastle or you can search for keywords. I mean, there's stuff about everything there and everyone so it's it's it really is worthwhile do try the seven day free trial um and if you like it and you can sign up for 50 percent. that is theathletic.co.uk forward slash tifo anyway um thank you for listening apologies for the interruption and back to jj so you talked about football manager before and you played that game a lot yeah <coughs> how do, how has that influenced your role now and your writing ability and how, how is it fair to say you can actually learn about football tactics and real football from playing playing this game because it's seen sometimes as a bit of a um bit of a cliche that guys like you like football manager and then maybe stop, stop playing the video game and you know yeah. focus on real life what do you think the crossover is, is it actually useful yeah uh, yeah i really do right um i i think a lot of my career would be based on what I learned from Football Manager. Uh, There's certain systems that you learn to make and how you like players to play. I mean, I've got better at the game as I've got better at my job, (laughs) which is odd. I mean, the the old days of Championship Managers, like 97, 98, where you always play the 4-3-1-2 with your advanced fullbacks. Mm. And uh, then you just try and win and you buy the better players so you can do that. It's interesting. But then I like going through different divisions, trying to... Get these teams to work with the sort of players you get in. They understand the sort of plight of a manager. You understand what it's like to be the Aberdeen manager when you have no money and you can't buy the players to possibly compete with Rangers and Celtic. So how do you do it? Maybe right. you can do you block them or do you try and like, overload them and attack them and just put them in that way? Which which is the best one? There is no best one. Often it's just you pick one and if it works, you're a genius. If it doesn't, then right. you get fired. What are some of your football manager successes? Just in your personal oh, well, life story. Let me tell you this. Won the Champions League three times in FM19 with Aberdeen. Oh my god, that game's wrecked. It's broken. This is the uh, problem. This is the, this is why people. I feel think. like it was too easy, but I mean, I was still very proud. I, <laughs> and I think about it, I consider it a real achievement. Do you always pick Aberdeen when you get the new game? No, I used to always no. be Newcastle, and then yeah. and then I go either like Leighton Orient or Aberdeen. Um, why Leighton Orient? Uh, because when I manage a team I like to sort of be able to visualise where it is so I can imagine what it would be like going to the stadium and do you live in it in, in Leighton? I live in Hackney I've been right. to Leighton here a few okay. times I've yeah. uh, seen my friends play a game there as well so right yeah it is it is helpful because you I think obviously you've got inverting the pyramid as you know the book Mr Wilson Mr yes. Wilson but football manager is, is the only opportunity that, that somebody outside of football has to consider how because ultimately football's problems right your you know your opposition is a problem and they do certain things that are sound like Alan Shearer right do I <laughs> fuck that they're always, they're always talking about solving problems but that's, and that's finding what solutions. it is sure uh, you that's know. why I said you sound like Alan Shearer it wasn't um, a dig okay and and football manager is is the only chance that somebody who isn't actually 
a coach or a manager has to consider that and to consider, you know, like you say, that balance between setting something up to create your own problems for the opposition and then trying to mitigate what they're good at and mm. adjusting those things. And I think it, yes, it, it teaches you what a three four three looks like and what it's good at and not good at, but it also gets you thinking about football in a different way to anything right, else, definitely. I would think. Okay. And that's, that's, I think that's the first part of starting to notice, unless you're really good at football, and are therefore coached properly by somebody who explains these things to you. But that's that would largely be positionally relevant as well. Right. But I think those are the only two ways that you start conceiving of football in that way rather than as, you know, effectively a kind of a, an emotional ebb and flow and a drama and moments of this and moments of that. What's the it, game it missing? It becomes then? more granular. I mean, presumably it's missing the man management stuff, yeah. right? Well, it yeah. has that to a degree. Could, well, yeah. could, but then, you, you, could you think if you were the manager of Aberdeen, you could win the Champions League three times in a row? <laughs> What's it missing that that, that 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 would be required for you to do that job in real life? Um, that you used to scout South American wonder kids. Right, the big, the of big course. key. Of course, okay. But I've started doing my coaching badges. So have you? Yeah. I was going to ask if you would be interested in. Yeah, no, I really like coach. it. Um, but that's why I done my coaching badges. I started doing them because I think if my job is to analyse the tactics in football teams and players, um, I should know how. If I so talking about like you know how to play a three four three because you know what it looks like in Football Manager, but the player roles you give those individual players and the way you build the system will change the shape in possession and out of possession. Right. And you can't, on foot manager, you can't say, right, I want you to be, when you're in this, when there's a throw-in on this side, this is the shape I want, I want you to be here. And it would it would depend on every opposition as well. So you'd say maybe if you, the ball's in the right from a throw-in, you'd put your left winger here um, when they don't have a decent right back because you know that they can then get an out ball. As soon as it comes in, you can switch play. But you can't really do that so much in foot manager. And you can't go and say, you can't build patterns of play. You can't, teach third man runs these sorts of things where you'd move a player so you, you you receive the ball you pass it back and he's gone and it goes over the top and that's how you do it mm. and you see like lower league managers do all these sorts of things like who was it played Liverpool recently Shrewsbury was it mm-hmm. yeah like you see they're doing all these third man run things all the time trying to get over the over the top of the defence and that is definitely done the training ground so doing coaching uh, is really interesting because then you can see how if I want to coach a 3-4-3 depends what level your team is at straight away. Like I have done shaping sessions with the team I play for on Sundays, which is uh, tough because <laughs> these boys tend to, uh, like all of them are better players than me, but all of them, a lot of them tend to rush. They rush, they pump the ball over the top. They don't take their time. The midfield rarely shows the ball. The wingers, the, the wing backs want to play as, as wingers. So you end up with four across the front and you don't have any coverage and we lose and then at half time they're all going we need to play football boys we need to, get, we need to play football and uh, it's a bit, a bit you need to be doing this because you're right. saying that but you're culpable for this because you rather than playing the ball down the line where the bad guy was you you just punted it do I was waiting for the they must love you <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I, I try, it's Are hard to do it are you going back <laughs> this, is, this is the thing and it's like uh, it's presumably pro- they must respect you though as a, as a, as a no. journalist so they, don't, they, don't ask, they don't ask for your opinion or? I don't know I'd probably come across as arrogant when I say these things but <laughs> what, what like, position do you play I play centre mid now oh of course oh, you do yeah. Yeah. But they, you can the, see everything from there <laughs> or he thinks he can doing exactly I think I can Yeah, but <laughs> I know what I should be doing but then I know I should be scanning when the ball comes I should have a body open to turn mm. but suddenly I'll receive the ball and I'm like oh I've not done it 
Right. Because I'm just not a good player, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these are the sort of things. But doing shaping's that interesting with a team. You walk them through it on the pitch. So I set up a session to before a game to show where we should be, where the pressing triggers should be, so we know when to do it. So not everyone's just like, chase the ball! And yeah, then yeah, using yeah. your energy up. It's pointless. Like, mm. be clever, be smart with it. Doing that, made sure that the wing backs were, well, they're they wide midfielders in the way that I wanted this 3 4 3 to play. And, you know, they would change depending on f- phase of play. But then ultimately, I'm not the manager. It's the manager's job to do this. So then I'm trying to do it where he's still in charge of it all. Right. But he's telling them different things to what I'm trying to do. But it's all, in, it's just trying to do little bits and pieces. And then I'm trying to think now, like I spend, sometimes I'll be lying in bed or just like sitting at work and I'll be thinking of like, how could I do a session where I could teach them how to play through the lines? Because that's something right. they don't do, don't do properly. They just put it over the top. Yeah. But if I could build a thing where you have defenders in a, in a circle around this and they've got a play through, and then you set up these little small-sided sessions right. and the way you construct a coaching session over an hour and a half is fundamental to how your team then plays. Right. Uh, like I did a piece recently on Brendan Rogers, and I spoke to Joby McEnough and Leon Britton right. on the phone. Good lads. And, uh, Exciting they, times. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. He's ex-Wimbledon, isn't he, Joby McEnough? Uh, he's played for a lot of clubs that could be one of them. I'm not yeah, sure. I think so. He was, at, uh, he was with him at Watford and Reading. I loved Leon Britton. He was I great. I think Leon Britton's really underrated. One of those players that doesn't get... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what I mean. And both of them are so enthusiastic about Rodgers' training. That's part of what makes him such a good player, uh, manager because his teams play this really nice football that I like. You know, uh, I like the way the shapes he plays, like a 4-3-3, 4-1-4-1, whatever it is. It's nice and attacking to keep the ball. It's entertaining to watch. But all this is done through small-sided games in training. And all those players, every player you talk to about Brendan Rodgers says that the training every day is different. They've never done the same session or the same drill twice. Right. Which must be so difficult to have ne- all these. Never done do. the same drill twice. Apparently, yeah. How does that work? How many drills could you have? Well, I mean, infinite variations on the same idea. I guess. Yeah, Crikey. I mean, <coughs> like the Scottish FA coaching thing. I did. They they teach you to structure a, a a whole training session. An hour and a half would be. You start with a like a a passing drill, so just like learning to pass so you get your touch or whatever and then you step up a couple of times use your left foot use the outside now try a long switch pass to use that then you do a a small like a small game after that that's relevant to the passing drill you've just done whether you have floating players in the wings mm. so that you're learning to switch the ball to them so you're, you're, you're playing against another team but you have to, there's always parameters involved that aren't just an open game and then you play a, another small sided game after that that is a step up from there with another thing relevant to what you've done in the first drill and then you just play five aside and you stop the game whenever they're not doing what you've been teaching them to do mm. and then some, suddenly you apply that to 11 aside it's so fascinating yeah, and with, with the players are you saying to them why what they've done before is relevant to what they're doing now or do you just have the expectation that they'll kind of either intuitively get it or it actually doesn't matter because they're going through this program of things and ultimately therefore they should improve. Do, do they need to know that's why they're being asked to do these things? I think that depends on the on the coach. Right. Like, so I, I think I want to know why. I always want to know why someone's done something and why I'm doing this. And um, I think a lot of people don't wonder about why they just do. And maybe that's better because then it's less predictable, it's less mechanical because it's just, that just happens out of nowhere. But with like doing like the reason we are going here is because this is where the ball will be and it means they can't get out of here and we're going to attack in this way because it means we have control of this and if it turns over we've got bodies in position to be able to deal with it and when you do these coaching sessions you would 
like a good one to do is when you're playing five aside or seven aside, uh, always, you'll always notice this, is that if you just blew a whistle at any point, you'd find that most players are bunched around the ball because the people just drawn towards it. But the team that always wins are the ones that have a couple of centre-backs back, ready to deal everything. They have two players wide and they've got one at top, so you've got depth and width. It's all you need is depth and width the whole time. And if you just stop the, the sessions we were doing, the guy would, when the coaches would blow a whistle, they'd have a look, look where you are. And sure enough, everyone, like me included, <laughs> would have been drawn towards the ball. And you can see where the... Uh, what you should have been doing is like we were looking at we worked in the diamond shape earlier we're moving around in diamonds so we always have it so this is where you need to be now like move to where you should be and then play continues and you start again and right. people are, people then just remember that mm. and you can't constantly tell them so they don't learn they have to learn themselves but you create like a muscle memory sort of thing almost I think so yeah yeah, yeah. that's interesting hmm I had a really interesting question to ask you. Oh, it was about your football coaches, the badges, the yeah. coaching badges. How does that work? What's the process like? Depends on the country you do it in. I ended up going up to Scotland to do it because it seemed easier right. than uh, the English FA one. Sure. Something they should sort out. It should be easy, I think, if they want better coaches to have it. I, I looked into goalkeeping coaching for, with the English FA and it was just an absolute nightmare to get Stupid sorted. Times, so I, I ended up not bothering. Yeah. Yeah, I was sort of the same in England, so I was trying to do it for ages, and then just thought, I'll just do it. I booked a week off work, so I used my holidays to do it, and then went up, did a week. Uh, so I'm now SFA level 1.3, so you do 1.1, 1.2, 1.3. There's no exam, so it's not like I've achieved anything <laughs> particularly. Did you get a certificate? Yeah. Though? Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, I've got a little badge, a little uh, ID <laughs> card with my thing on it. It's cool, it lasts for three years anyway. Uh, did but, you try and get work to pay for it so you could write about it as a feature? Um, I got some of my holidays back. Nice. Because I did it, but I didn't get. I had to pay for it all myself, which oh, okay. is about four hundred pounds, something like that. Sounds it was fun, worth though. it. I yeah. loved doing it. I loved it. <clears throat> and the next stage would be the C license, which I'm intending to do this year. But um, I want to respect it. I'm just going assuming I'd be good at it. I know I need to practice because right. I've, I've not grown up playing as much football as people who tend to go into these things. So mm. I don't know these. Like Brendan Rodgers, how does he have so many drills? I know like five. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So I now read coaching manual books. Wow. Going through to see the drills they've got, like how to teach Tiki Taka, how to teach three four three. Cool guy. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. <laughs> and then Will you go all the way to the A To the M B A MBA? Will you go all the way to the A the, is it the A? A U U A for A. No, you go, there's one above that, isn't it? Next there? is C. Pro so C would be next, then you do UEFA B and do UEFA A, and then it's like UEFA Pro or something. But that's right. good. I mean I think the B and A take about a year or two years. Wow. And you need to coach team the entire time would you I, do this though i mean i'd love to i think i'm just not in the game enough to be able to right uh, but do, do you sort of have fantasies of of being a coach being a manager of a of a of professional team in the I, champions I think, league do you know what would be really cool being like an an, an analyst for a, a club or sure. like a like an a, a opposition scout That'd you could probably do cool. that now couldn't you do you I'd think i'd love to yeah it'd be really fun yeah but it's basically what i do right. for the paper yeah uh, except I have to make it more entertaining than detailing the, the formations well, you, you that say I that, corner. but then, you know, we talked to Mark Mosley last week, who is manager of Weymouth, uh, under-23 assistant coach mm -hmm. Bournemouth. And um, he said something a few other people have said to us as well, is that when he's preparing his, uh, well, I guess it's been prepared for him by his uh, opposition scout or whoever, but by the time it gets to him, they jazz it up. They've paid for this more expensive software that has more colours and, and like, you know, sounds and uh, it all has to be very, very quick yeah. because the players 
uh, don't concentrate. I don't know if this is true <laughs> of all players, but the but the idea is there that it has to be entertaining. It has to be sort of um, digestible and in a fairly entertaining format for the player. So you know maybe that's a skill set you wouldn't need to lose either. Definitely a degree to which I mean I think I think one of the things I find fascinating and and it's sort of something that's that's relevant to things that you've said today is that football players you know in an interview a football player may not seem hugely articulate or whatever it is but they're clearly very very smart in their way yes. and that'll be yeah. to do with perception of space it'll be to do with <laughs> with learning consciously or unconsciously a series of moves and you know that it's a type of intelligence it's just not an intelligence that was necessarily recognized by a lot of people and mm-hmm. and yet that thing of also because you you can't present all of that information to somebody. It is impossible <laughs> to be running around at sort of, you know, 80, 70% of your heart rate max and trying to do all of these different things and also thinking at the same time, fucking hell, well, if the ball does this and goes there, then I mm. need to, do, you know, you that that's just not possible. No one's capable of doing that. So I think there's going to be a balance and it, it maybe it is closer in terms of, you know, I, I did I did one kind of proper session of opposition scouting for my local non-league team where I went with their opposition scout and we sat next to each other at a game and for the first 20 minutes just recorded everything that we thought. Mm. And it was roughly the same. But what was interesting was that we'd also recorded it in roughly the same way. Right. And the, the same bits of information that were relevant to players. So I, I think there's maybe less of a gap, not just in terms of what you're analysing and and the way you're recording it, but also the way you then put that across. Hmm. Um, so yeah, go for it, mate. <laughs> what, so on your badges, you've got have you got three badges now? I've got yeah, the Do three easiest badge? badges to get. Um, it's a it's like a credit card. Have you, have no, you no, sewed no. it onto your tracksuit for your no. for your team? You could get one of those sort of laminated. They sl- you know pop it in the the, the chest pocket there, so yeah. everyone can see. Yeah, you've you got could, the badge. You could pay for it yourself. <laughs> yeah, you could get SFA coach. Should do that. I think I might not your, do this. That, how yeah. did you get they hate it? You what, already, what did they or? make you do in the in the badge session what did they make oh, yeah. you do well it's really fun so I, I, I love playing football so much so if I could play every single day I would so when I came home from school I would play for until it was dark every single right. day I'm still not any good at it right uh, and I would play five aside every single day twice if I could you're probably quite good then aren't you I mean <coughs> comparison to me uh, I might be better than some players but everyone I play with I would imagine would say I'm rubbish but then what I do in the pitch is that everyone else I'm a bit older now I'm, th- I'm only 34 or whatever but I'm still I'm not as fast as I used to be when sure. in my 20s right yeah and uh, a lo- most players I play with are a bit younger faster they've still got that um, confidence at some point evades you and then they, they'll they go up front and do all the bits and pieces up front and if they're up front I can't go up front right. so naturally you drop slightly deeper not to defence sure that's coming. not that far <laughs> but that uh, yeah that ends up happening at five sides uh, what was your question before because I was, I was almost I there I, well, I want to come, oh, I'll come back to it but oh, the badges, yes. yeah but, yeah. but uh, there's a new thing that no no it's fine I've got it now you go you go and then I'll ask mine okay cool um, I'll just stay quiet you, you, you just be quiet yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm talking too much no the, no uh, that you're the guest on the podcast that's your job well playing fives like that is good so when you go into these sessions you're basically playing fives all day for a week because you're doing all these small-sided sessions. And um, the, in Scotland, the way it works is you don't do an exam at the end of the 1.1, 1. 1, 2, or 3. You you pass by having attended. So I've 
really earned right. really right. earned my badges. Okay, yeah. But, uh, but you, you play. Yeah. You don't. Well, you have to take part in a session to right. do it. So the if you, if anyone's ever done like a TEFL course or like a any sort of teaching, it's sure. basically that's what coaching is. Right. Obvious, but that's what I realised it is. So you you learn first of all uh, the. They sort of coach you during, so you show you ses- show you sessions, yeah. and uh, the way they want to do it now is to get away from uh, running up sand dunes to get your pre-season fitness up. Yeah, that kind of thing, endless okay. running. Yeah. So the, one of the first things they did was for a warm up, they put loads scattered loads of different coloured cones around and says, right, run from red to red to red to red, and now jog backwards between yellow to yellow. And then now get a ball and now take, you're doing tiptoes, tiptoes, wow. tiptoes from ball to ball. Was everyone fairly fit, JJ? If, um, like, if I went, would I be able to be a coach? <laughs> I'd have fucking died. I'm <laughs> Is it allowed to, well, do you uh, have to keep up? Uh, you don't have to know, and it's no. not done at full pace. Okay. You can if you want to. I always play, there's some fo- some folk there in my course right. where Highland League players. Okay. That's like the one below the Scottish second division. Right. So it's it's semi-pro or non-professional at all. <laughs> but some of them are quite good players. Most of them are kind of were, were dads mm-hmm. who coach. Um, uh, dads and mums. There was like, there's a mixture of women and men there, all trying to do it for either their like little girls team or little boys team. Some were doing it for their junior team and trying to teach adults and teenagers mm. things like that. And not everyone took part in every session. I did because I just I think I'm kind of addicted to playing. Sure. And it was fun, and it was really nice outside. Why wouldn't you? It was hey, good. Anyway, so you do all these things. They teach you how to to coach the more modern sort of style. So when I was growing up, I remember once playing a, a game when I was about thirteen. And I got the ball in midfield and there was about five of my own teammates who were trying to run beyond the, the last line. Right. And I had no options getting closed down and I just launched it. So I've no, no other ideas, just launch it. Mm-hmm. And the coach went, well done, JJ. <laughs> and I remember that. That was like a moment. I was like, sure. I'm done. I can't, yeah. I can't do this right. because that's not how I want to play. <clears throat> and uh, they sort of trying to do modern ways and how to, to coach with the ball. Everything's been done with the ball, one of the, the big things. Then they teach you how you like 1v1 defending in a channel 2v2 3v2 4v3 all these different bits and you apply it into a small sided game later on the second day you do different stuff and you learn to teach a certain age group different ways you could plan and structure and deliver a passing session a dribbling um, positioning stuff like that like defending Mm. different things and then on the second day you have to coach yourself so you then, these same people you've been learning with, you then have to deliver a session to them. Oh, no. Uh, you deliver to your peers. Yeah, it was, it was scary. And I That's had to do terrible. that. And I've never, ever done it before. Were they all nice people? Yes, Did lovely. No one had it out for you? No. No, no okay. and everyone was dead yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was fine. So like, if anyone's thinking about doing it and is a bit nervous, that like I was nervous, but it's fine. Yeah. You just, and everyone looks after each other because everyone is nervous. Sure. And, and it, it, it just passes. You know, everything passes. It's like life mostly. Exactly, yeah. yeah. You've got to put yourself in uncomfortable situations sometimes. Mm. And uh, that was great. And then the, the second, the third session, I can't, remember, I can't even remember what it was, but I came out of it having delivered coaching sessions, asking heaps of questions, seeing how things work and just feeling like I understood so much more about the actual mm. industry. And you realise that as part of the media, you're not in that industry. It's very separate to what we do. Right. We report almost on the soap opera of it, I think, a lot of the times. Was, was, like, was 433 mentioned? In the in the three days, or is it is it very much focusing on on the drills and the smaller numbers of players uh, and that sort of stuff? Because the impression that you know, when I think about going to do coaching badges, I think you know it'll be uh, reading Jonathan Wilson's book and go, <laughs> this is where a four four two works best. But presumably yeah. that's that's less important than the day to day 
grind of, 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 of drills, right? The rondo. Did you do any rondos? I don't know if we did rondos, actually. That's the only drill I know. That's a good one. Is the, yeah. Passing, I've heard that. Passing, first touch, mm. movement, defending, everything in there. Right, yeah. That's just been an example of one of the drills you would do at the start of one of your passing sessions. Right. Or positioning or, or 2v1 sessions, stuff like that. Mm. Um, you tend to do things like, so shaping is where like 442 or 433 would come under. That's, right. you have to coach how to, you have to shape a 442, I've read, um, in the C license. Right, okay. So that's something that you'd work on. And then I don't, I don't know whether they give you a set list of like a certain type of 442. This is the thing. There's so many different types, right? Right. How do you want, do you want to attack as a 424? How do you want to defend? One of the things they did on the 2v1 session, it says, so two attackers say, and you're, you're going against them in the channel. It's just, you know, a small drill. You're just two players versus one. The attackers are trying to, they should have an advantage because there's two of you. And then the whole thing is you're cinched in to the defender. Well, do you want to show them wide or inside? Which way do you want to go? Because it's up to you. Right. And, you, and then you coach how to teach that. Like you curve, you run, you do all these sorts of bits and pieces. But Each you apply, thing leads to a new decision as exactly. well. Right? And yeah. then you, so you have to have all this involved and all your coaching has to match up to how your system's going to work. And you see like right. the, and you start to appreciate the genius of some of these guys like Jose Mourinho, how everything is so detailed and there's so much to it. Every small bit has been thought of and coached in a way so that it works in that situation in the in the match. But they could have done this a hundred times, hundred sessions. The boy absolutely knows it. And then in that one time, uh, Messi goes past them. Mm. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> that was the thing I took away from uh, the last podcast with Mark. Yeah. Was how exhausting it is to be constantly thinking and constantly having to work on new iterations of a similar thing to keep it interesting. Tell and me how about you're it. always thinking like, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Seriously. It's just like life again. <laughs> mm. Yeah. God. God. Hey, can I ask, you said uh, when you play for your team at the weekend, what's oh, that yeah. team called? Um, I don't play as much as I'd like to because I have to work often weekends. Right. Um, but it's a, it's a fans league in southwest London where you get all Aberdeen versus Man City right. versus Everton. <laughs> right, okay, cool. Uh, so you, do you play for the Aberdeen fans team? I play for team. Aberdeen, yeah. Right, yeah. what are the other, the other guys are all nice, are they? Yeah, all lovely boys, yeah. So you said when, you know, if you've got young people playing, <laughs> you like younger men. My impression of football... No, no, I mean, I hang out with awful people, but I do learn a lot. <laughs> <laughs> this is why, though, this is why, because I haven't played football for a long time, obviously. And when you said before that the young people, sometimes the younger people, they play up front or if they yeah. still have the confidence that you haven't lost, whatever, and therefore you're sort of relegated back. It made me, it just kind of brought flooding back memories of, of the horrible social dynamics of, uh, of a football team. I remember at school, you know, feeling I was in goal as well because I was tall and, and shit you know that's, that's that's why I was in goal I was just shit you were just shit <laughs> yeah. uh, and sort of always feeling like you knew where you were in the pecking order uh, always um, you know it would take a lot of confidence uh, to to even ask for the ball or to put yourself into a yeah. particular particularly prominent position on the pitch and the striker was always uh, I think the best player that's school rather than sport maybe, well, maybe this, is, this was my question like Maybe it is, but you also mentioned, as you say, if there if there are more confident younger players there, you sort of relegated back a little bit, and you would presumably have to ask or make a you know make a big deal about wanting to play up front if you wanted to do that for a game. Do you find it easy being in that sort of social situation? Because no. that's the reason I don't play football. Like that dynamic is horrific. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
uh, yeah, I get really, uh, how do you describe it? So even playing with people who, like, nice guys, really welcoming everything, I get so anxious before games that yeah. I can't eat during the day before. Right. So I have no energy when I play. <laughs> and then I run out of steam, right? Yeah. And uh, it's awful. Yeah. So, so, but then, also, I am usually would be the one who's picked last. Right. But I like proving people wrong. Sure. <laughs> Which is sure. how I think I've gone from living in a little Aberdeenshire town to ending up like having a dream job doing mm-hmm. London, right? You just have to prove people wrong. Yeah. They, say, they don't think you're very good at this, so I'll show you. Right. And I turned out they were right. But you sure. get... <laughs> Most of <laughs> the time. Just get lucky, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. sometimes. And, uh, but playing these games, it's the same as when I was... Like, I'm better at football now than I probably ever have been, but uh, physically I'm not as good as I used to be in my 20s because I'm not right. as fit or fast. And it's interesting, the more with my job, I can see how I should be playing but then I can't really do that on the pitch as I want. But then how do I possibly tell people what they should be doing on the pitch? Even though, again, arrogantly, arrogantly I suspect I know what they should be doing because right. of my reading of the game and what's happening. It, no one's going to listen to me. Right. He, and, you, and again, some people just have this natural authority. They walk into a place and people just like them. Well, Jose Mourinho, I mean, he wasn't a very successful footballer, right? But no. yet he has found a way to make successful footballers respect him and listen to him. Exactly. Although I think, like you said, I think the, the assistant manager right. is a really important function. What was his name? Rui Ferreira. Was he a footballer? I assume so. I mean, they're mostly footballers, right? Mourinho as well comes from football. Like his dad, you know, international goalkeeper. So he'd been surrounded in that environment and that makes it easier. Same way... Like he belongs. Yeah. In the same way I would point out to like music, if you have like like Billie Eilish is very... like, Like she's brilliant, right? Her brother writes all the songs, but mm. her brother wrote the songs and didn't have any success with them. Right. So, but she's involved in that industry. So you think like, oh, she's come out of nowhere, like, but not really. Right. Because they were already part of that world. Mm. And same with probably Mourinho and people like that. I mean, people like Mauricio Sarri and Rio Saki is kind of different because they were yeah just they just like playing football and then right. ended up yeah. getting into it properly. Yeah. I don't well, know what my point was really. No, no, it's interesting. I mean, the, yeah, the, the idea Irish of way. as you say, a man who. Uh, you say, I mean, I'm sure you're probably quite good at football, but you say not as good. How how can you be in a position to tell these other people what they should be doing, even if you probably do know better than they do? I have written because you don't have the long you know, uh, analysis of our games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, JJ's personal they never diaries. Never get the two or... blue ticks, do they, mate? <laughs> yeah. no. no, I have written. I wrote a proper analysis of what went wrong in one of our games that we got absolutely done into pointing out different things and how I think this system would suit us better. Right. Uh, we ended up... So a, a team we lost something like 9-0 against the first time we played them. Oh dear. Yeah. Is that common uh, scoreline? When I play, yes. Right. And, the, uh, right. and, I, <laughs> and I wrote um, a whole bunch of stuff and then we did a session before one of the games and that same team we lost 9-0 to, we drew four all with. Right. Which is much better. Sure. And uh, I like to think that a lot of the stuff that I tried to get across, landed, right, and that's. What, I mean, I'm trying to always respect because the guy in charge of it is the manager, and he, you know, he's saying things. But what's your relationship like with him? I, I mean, I'd hardly ever speak to him because I don't right. really get to play that much. He's right. really a lovely guy, <coughs> lovely guy, Calm. He knows what he's doing. But the, it's just uh, little bits and pieces that some people who don't haven't been coached. They haven't been coached. They don't know. Right. I had never coached. I learned it by playing football manager and reading loads. Right. Yeah. And I'm trying to think, like, why does no one think I'm good at football? I think mm. I'm quite good. And then, oh, I'm not. But I know why now. Right. <laughs> this, this also came up in last week's conversation. Mark said, you know, I think he said it when he spoke to, uh, when he was about to take the, the Weymouth job, he spoke to Eddie Howe 
Uh, and, uh, you know, Eddie Howe gave him some advice. And one of the things that Eddie Howe said was that you learn from being a um, being a player, not necessarily learning from the coaches who, who, who've inspired you, who've done, done it right, but learning from the coaches who've done it wrong. And you, as a player, have, have thought, well, I'm never going to do that as a coach. Definitely. That's a terrible idea. If you haven't had that experience, I suppose, then, yeah, you're probably lacking. Maybe you are a fraud. Well, that's, <laughs> that's absolutely. It. That's one of the reasons it's, it's good watching them um, lower quality of football, like in Scottish division. I would, the Scottish Premiership, I'd say, is really fun to watch, but the standard isn't as high and it's far too quick. And you notice that, like in in the Premier League in England, you can see differences between how individual teams play. And the problem is that they're often playing <coughs> such a similar system and they're so similarly matched, fitness and skill wise, that they tend to just like bash it out in the middle of the pitch. Mm. It's horrible. It's boring. Right. I'd rather watch. Hearts versus St Mirren because at least stuff happens. Yeah, but there's far less tactical goings on in that than there are in the English one. Right. I don't know. It's, just, it's all interesting. It's a buyer's market. Yeah. There you go. Hey, listen, we've recorded for an hour now, so we should oh. probably stop there. But um, will you come back when you do your? Uh, I mean, come back before then, obviously. <laughs> but will you come back when you do your your next coaching? Badge? Oh yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. You're really curious yeah. to know how that four four two shaping uh, session works out. Yes. Yeah. Me too. Hey, thanks for coming, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And is really there anything you want? I mean, you write for the Telegraph all the time. Yeah. You work there and write for them. And yeah, people can great. read your work by visiting their website. Yes, you can go to Telegraph and all the stuff that I write is there. There's a paywall on it, but it's Some about a pound a week or something like that yeah. if you put it up. And then um, you can follow me on Twitter and stuff like that as well. Yes. I post uh, them all there. At JJ Bull. JJ underscore Bull. Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. I wonder who the JJ, real JJ Bull is. I, I'm, I have it. Oh. But it was a, I'm also a musician on the side oh. and a, a producer I used to work with set that up for me. Right. And owes me some money and has gone missing. So I can't get access to that. <laughs> what a shame. Uh, yeah. Two Twitter accounts there. Hey. Alex, anything else to add? No. No, fine. Right. Well, thanks. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week with something else. Thank you. Bye bye.